0: what's up how's it going everybody can you hear me yes holy crap you guys know how to make a guy feel good it is good to be back home where's my mom at she's right here mom will you raise your hand i love you and you're beautiful it is so good to be back if you don't know all of us interns we're just in europe and we were basically a wrecking crew there. It was insane. We went to Brussels, we went to Paris, we went, went to Amsterdam, and we went to London. And one of my favorite things we did was all of us rented bikes. Nine of us interns, a bunch of meatheads, ran around on bikes reaping havoc on London. I don't know how we didn't get arrested. It was insane. It was so much fun. We're dipping in and out of traffic in between double-decker buses. I look back. Sam's almost dead. Um, (laughs) Kyle, we get on the buses, and Kyle's already doing laps around Buckingham Palace, and all of us are just, (sighs) (sighs) like, help help me, Kyle, slow down. We had so much fun, and I didn't realize before I went out there, I don't know, I guess it wasn't a reality to me, but they speak a different language. And I'm such a typical American, but they speak. And if you're European in here, I'm sorry, but they just, it's flippy-floppy. Flippity-flop-flop-flop. Flop, flop. Bonjour. I need to buy a hamburger. But it's crazy. It's so much fun. But it is good to be back in, the, in America. And uh, it's such an honor to be here, standing here with you guys today. Young Adults is my church. Jess and Doug are my pastors. And so it's just an honor to be standing here. And I want to honor them really quick. And so Charlotte... She's back there in the tech booth. It is your birthday. Yeah. And fellas, she is singing. Happy birthday, Charlotte. This place would not be the same without you. Doug, where are you at, man? Where are you at, Doug? I don't know. He's probably in the back tech booth. There you are. Hey, man, the first day of the internship, I remember driving to Casa Bonita. And I remember just talking about God and things that he was doing in our life. And it was that day that I knew you and I would be good friends forever, man. So here's the friendship. It's going to be awesome. (laughs) Jesse Davis, will you stand up really quick for all of us? I know you're going to hate that I do this. If you guys don't know, I call this girl Little Lion Lady, the triple L, the triple threat. And I call her that because of this. She's small in stature, but she's got the heart of a lion. Jess, there's nobody that cares about these people more than you, and there's nobody I know that cares more about the God's kingdom more than you. So thank you. Thank you. Yeah. But, but I won't stop there because a couple weeks ago, she delivered me a low blow. And if you remember this, she told you guys to punch me. And not just to punch me. She said, punch him right in the face. All because I'm a Red Wings fan. Yeah, okay, wait, are you saying yeah for the Red Wings? Okay, well, I just have to say this to Jess. Patrick Waugh and the Colorado Avalanche can have their two rings. That's really cute. The Detroit Red Wings, the best team in America, in the world, (laughs) have 11 Stanley Cup championships. I'll leave you with that. I'll leave you with that. Those guys are awesome, and it's such a privilege to work under them. In all seriousness. And before we get in tonight, will you guys pray with me? Lord, thank you so much for who you are, God. I thank you for being in this place. Holy Spirit, I believe that you're going to heal tonight. God, I believe that you're going to mend our hearts tonight. God, I pray that you call us out, that you speak to us. God, tonight, I believe that there's people in here that don't know you yet that don't know what your son Jesus did for them, Lord. So I pray that you pinpoint them in their seats right now, God, and that you speak to them and that you draw near to them and that you let them know that you are here. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Hey, if you've been here the last couple of Thursdays, you know we're in a series titled YA University. And what's special about this series is that all of us interns get to share with you what's on our heart. And what's on my heart tonight is that the Lord sees your heart and that he is with you. Sometimes I feel insignificant. Sometimes I feel small. Sometimes I even feel forgotten. Do you feel that way sometimes? I know that I am broken and I'm imperfect. And the world's so huge. The world's so big. There's 7.2 billion people on the planet. How could God possibly care about what I care about? How could God possibly walk with me? But he does. That's what I think sometimes, and that's what we think sometimes. But here's what God tells us. He tells us that he is alive. He tells us that he is working in us, through us, and around us, and he uses brokenness to create greatness. In fact, he meets us in our brokenness. He meets us in our imperfection because 2 Corinthians says that his power is made perfect in our weakness. That's That's Bible. Do you believe that? Because, young adults, I believe that if we had faith in that fact, that our lives would be drastically different. If we walked by faith, I believe our lives would be different. He does huge things using average, broken people like you and like me. Not only that, but he sent Jesus to live for us, to die for us, to be raised back to life for us, so that you and I may have life, all for one reason— One reason, so that he could be with you and he could be with me. One reason, if you have accepted that, you can now go confidently into the presence of God, which is all you and I need. We need nothing more. There is nothing greater than our God. And he is with you no matter what your circumstance. And I'm here to tell you tonight that because he is with you and the Holy Spirit is in you, anything in your life is possible. You just need to believe it. Wherever you're at in your life right now, whatever you're feeling about your life right now, it doesn't matter. This is what matters is the fact that he is with you and there's absolutely nothing that can separate you from his love. That's Romans 8. If you're walking through life right now and you feel like you're alone, if you feel like you're defeated, I'm here to tell you that you're wrong. I'm here to tell you that you're wrong because of the one that you walk with. Listen to this. Our God cannot, he will not, he cannot lose. He reigns. He is victorious. His name is Victorious One. The champion, the champion walks with you every day, everywhere you go. That champion is your friend. God is here. The Holy Spirit is in you, so you are empowered. And so the title of this message, if I were to title it, would be God is with you. Always. So let me show you a story in the Bible. This story involves an average broken person. And although this person was broken and had all odds against him, he wasn't alone. The Lord was with him. And mediocrity for sure could have been the ultimatum of his story, like ours. But it wasn't. Because his brokenness, when matched up with the one he walked with, was irrelevant. And he chose to look to God And have faith in every situation. And because of that, because he had faith, he got the nickname, a man after God's own heart. And you probably know who I'm about to talk about. And if you don't, I'm about to talk about David. So if you have your Bible or you have your cellular mobile device, (laughs) you can turn to 1 Samuel 16. (laughs) The story starts off with a king being unfit to rule. King Saul is the king of Israel. He's disobeyed what the Lord has said to do. So the Lord says, I'm going to anoint my own king. He sends his trustworthy prophet Samuel to Bethlehem to anoint a new king. And Samuel does what Samuel always does. He obeys the Lord, so he goes to Bethlehem and he anoints a king. And God says, you need to call it a sacrifice because King Saul is still on the throne. And if King Saul finds out that Samuel is going to Bethlehem, surely he'll kill him. Surely he'll kill him. So he says they're going to call it a sacrifice and he tells he says say to Jesse and tell him to invite all of his friends to the sacrifice and all the sons come into the sacrifice and the first son the oldest Eliab walks in before before Samuel and Samuel says of course oh man this is the one hey he's got the biceps He's got the swagger, he's the oldest, and if you're the youngest in here, you know the oldest in the family always has the swag, because they don't wear no hand-me-downs, right? It's hashtag swag every single day, and I'm not going to say anything, but I am the oldest in my family, so, (laughs) swag. But the Lord says, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at, people look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So one by one, the sons of Jesse pass before Samuel, and not one of them is to be anointed king. Not one of them. And so Samuel puzzled asked Jesse, hey, are all your sons here? Because I asked you to bring them. Are all your sons here? He says, no. They're still the youngest. But he's just a boy. He's just a shepherd. He's just a nobody. He's waiting until I call for him. David was waiting in the field. He was considered a nobody, and actually, he wasn't even considered anybody at all because biblically it didn't even refer to him by name. It just said the youngest son was in the field. And so I wonder tonight are you like David? I wonder, are you waiting on your call? Have you asked things of the Lord and you're waiting on him? Is he silent in your life right now? Are you waiting to hear from him? I wonder, what are you waiting for? What have you asked of the Lord? Have you been given a diagnosis? Or is somebody you know, a friend, sitting in the hospital right now with cancer? Or maybe it's something simple. Maybe you have chronic headaches and you wake up every day and you ask God, hey, God, please heal me. Heal me. God, why won't you heal me? It doesn't seem to be getting any better, right? Maybe that's you. Are you single? Because there's a lot of us in here that are single. And you're waiting for the day when loneliness no longer haunts your footsteps. Is that you? Are you waiting on that man? Are you waiting on that woman? Because it's miserable. God, when is it going to work out? When is it going to work out? Do you feel like you're ready? Do you feel like you have all the tools you need to fulfill a calling on your, on, that God has on your life, but you're waiting for the call? Have you planted the seed of Jesus in your family or in your friends, and you've done everything you can do, You've prayed over him, you've read scripture to him, you've told him all about Jesus, but now it's God's turn to come through. I've been there. I remember last summer, Jess, I called you, coming home from a friend's house, and I was crying, and I said, Jess, what do I have to do? What do I have to do? I've done everything I can do, I've read scripture over him, I've prayed for him, but it just doesn't seem like it's working. I wonder, did you just spend a heck of a lot of money on an education, and now... You got the piece of paper, but you're using the piece of paper under the golden arches. Like, you have a crappy job, and it's not fun, (laughs) right? I wonder if there's people in here like that. Are you waiting for something new? Waiting on the Lord can be miserable. It can be frustrating. It can be painful, and it can be a confusing experience. But hear me, don't miss this, because I want you to hear this. There is a product that comes from waiting, and it's purposeful. It was purposeful for David, and it's purposeful for you. Waiting is how God builds our trust, it's how God builds our character, and it's how God builds our faith. Hebrews says that Jesus, the champion, is the author and perfecter of our faith. When there's waiting or silence in our lives, it means God's working. It means God's working. And if you really believe that, if you really believe the promise that God was fighting for you and working for you, you can rest. You would breathe and you would relax because you know God is faithful. Your focus would shift from me to where it should be, on Him. I've learned that waiting on the Lord, waiting in your singleness, waiting in my brokenness, waiting in my imperfection, it's actually not waiting at all. Waiting on God... It's not waiting. It's training and it's guiding. I'll say that again. Waiting on God is not waiting at all. It's training and it's, gui- and it's guiding. David surely had an idea of how his life should look. And I promise you it didn't look like tending sheep for the rest of his life. He surely had dreams, he had ambitions, and he had desires. And I promise you being in the field with sheep he felt alone, right? But he knew he wasn't. He knew he wasn't. David carried a couple things with him into the fields like most sheep do. He carried a horn. He carried a sling. And what else did David carry? (laughs) He carried a small instrument. And between the monotonous duties of what a shepherd does, he had nothing but time, right? So what he would do in that horn, he would carry olive oil. And you know what olive oil is used for? It's used... To apply to the sheep, to wounds, to scratches, to care for the sheep. And one sheep after another, David's sitting there applying oil. Could you imagine how monotonous this would? If you're in a a crappy job, maybe this is you. Just sheep after sheep after sheep. And I don't believe David's flock was small. It could have easily been over 100 sheep. But day after day after day, caring even when you don't want to. His situation wasn't going to change. This was David's inherited job because he was the youngest in the family. As time passed and all David did was wander, wherever the sheep went, you know David became lonely. The feeling of no companion, the feeling of being stuck in a rut, the feeling of insignificance that always roamed inside of him must have been magnified by silence. We're told he often cried, he also played his harp and would sing. And when these activities failed him, what David would do is he would gather up stones and he'd launch them at a tree in the distance. He'd launch them at a tree. And when he'd run out of stones over here, he'd walk over to the tree and he'd pick up all the stones and he'd launch them. And maybe when a sheep got mouthy, he'd shut up. Cause that's his only friend, you know. But David didn't know that he would need that in the future. David didn't know that he would deliver a nation David didn't know he would take down a giant. He thought he was just in the fields, right? He was often engaged in the same battles of solitude that you and I deal with. But here's what made David different. When struggle came, David knew the Lord was with him, and he looked to God. He looked to God at all times. At night, when the sheep lay asleep, and the fire dwindled in front of him, and all the stars were above him, he sang songs. And he broke out to God. Psalm 139. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, you, you Lord, know it completely. He says, God, before I'm going to do something, you know what I'm going to do. It's incredible. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to heaven, God, you are there already. And if I lay my bed in the depths, you are there. God, you are with me wherever I go. If I rise on the wings of dawn, if I settle in the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, God. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely, the darkness will hide me. And the light become night all around me. Even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day. For darkness is as light to you, God. That's how powerful you are. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful and I know that full well. That's what he sings to the Lord. And listen to me. David could not control his situation or his circumstance and neither can you in some ways. But you you do have a choice you do have a choice David God was preparing David for what was next in his life he was preparing him for Goliath and to be king and he's doing the same with you and with wherever you're at yeah. Come on. Mm. You right. stuff in your life right now probably isn't going the way you want it but trust me the Lord will use it God will use your struggle and hear this David controlled what he could control his flock and his praise It says the Lord does not look at your stature. He does not look at your rap sheet. He doesn't care if you've fallen and you're struggling to get back up. He doesn't care. What he looks at is your heart. He looks at your heart, young adults. David controlled the posture of his heart. No matter what he was feeling, it did not matter. It did not matter because he knew God was with him in his situation. He knew it. So what did David do? He lifted his hands and he exalted the Lord in all times. David worshipped no matter what was going on in his life. And because David knew the Lord was with him and that he was in the Lord's right hand, he praised him at all times. He says, God, I don't know what you're doing, but I know that you're here. God, I cannot escape from your presence. I cannot flee from your spirit. God, wherever I go, you are with me. Do you believe that in your life? Because it's true. Could you imagine the effectiveness of your 20s if when you're in your waiting and when you're at your worst, you accepted the absolute truth that you are accepted by God, that he's not mad at your situation? If you accepted that truth, you would believe in God and you would believe that God is with you, that God is literally fighting for you. Exodus fourteen fourteen says that you only need to be still for I am fighting for you. He says that to Moses. He's, and if you would just believe... That I am with you, I will empower you. And you didn't know God does not look at you or your situation and go, oh my gosh. <gasps> that sounded really girly. I didn't mean that <laughs> to happen. He doesn't look at your situation and say, I don't know if the cross can cover that. I don't know if my power can get them through what they're going through right now. No, 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 no. God says, I've got you. I'll get you to where you need to go. Just be in a relationship with me. Be my friend. I dare you to explore the depths of my love because I guarantee you you're not going to get to the bottom of it. Because it's unconditional love. It's unconditional love and it's never ending. That is how you set the posture of your heart is praise and gratitude. And there is nothing that fills the heart of God and speaks to his ear more than one of his children in their situation says, God, I don't know what you're doing. I can't see right now, but I know you're working for me, God. I know you're working for me, so I will praise you. God, I'm after you. In the face of adversity, I know you are here, God. I know that you will chase me wherever I go. God, I'm after you. When you posture your heart by praising him, your waiting is your opportunity. We have to remember that this life is not about us. It's not about us. It's about him, it's about his glory, and it's about his kingdom. God ultimately is not worried about your kingdom or your comfort, although he will comfort you. And although he will provide for you, he's not worried about it. He's worried about redeeming the world and the population of his kingdom. He wants heaven to be crowded. That's our slogan here at Red Rocks. And he wants to use you to do it. It says that you are an ambassador of the message of Jesus Christ to the world. And he wants you to carry his message. The Lord trained David in the pastures for a bigger calling. And he's training you young adults wherever you're at. David's father calls on him. I can see his father saying, go get David. Just go get him. And I can see a servant running through the fields and finally getting to David and saying, David, your father needs you. Can you imagine the sprint, the tenacity with which he ran back to the house? It was probably like Usain Bolt, or however you say his first name, the Bolt guy, <laughs> running super fast across streams, hurtling over logs with absolutely no fear, all because of why? For what, because of one reason. Dad wants me. Dad needs me. Dad accepts me. He gets to the house. Immediately when he enters the doorway... The Lord says to Samuel, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Samuel takes his horn of oil, and guess what? It's David's turn to be cared for like a sheep. God is about to apply oil to every wound, to every cut, and he's about to mend David's heart, one of his favorite sheep. David falls to his knees as Samuel pours oil over his head, and I can see tears start to mix in with oil. Because why? Because David had dreams. Surely every boy dreams of becoming a king. Surely every boy dreams of becoming something greater. I know I do. And David finally has his promise that things are going to change. He's anointed. But it's not his time because we run on God's time. Remember that, not our time. It's not his time to be king. So David goes back to the field. But David's been given the call. And in David's heart... He knows God's calling for him. I bet David ran real fast back to the field once he got his promise. Like, okay, okay, okay. I know what I need to do. I need to tend the sheep, and I got a calling, so God's going to call me in one day. And I'm telling you what, if you're in a crappy situation right now, if you're in a bad job, that's you. You have an opportunity. Turn that place into a church. You have sheep all around you, and you are the shepherd in your job. Okay, you are a pastor whether you know it or not. There's people there that need Jesus. They need Jesus. And they need you to carry that message to them. So in your waiting, turn your job situation, turn that into a church. Turn it into a church. I know deep down that there's a calling on my life. And my heart screams it. My heart screams that you're going to be great. There's something for you to do. You just need to wait. Do you feel like that? Is your heart screaming? But there's, there's something you got to know. There's two people that respond to the call of your heart. There's two people. There's Satan and there's the Almighty God, okay? And Satan's going to reply to your heart with lies. He's going to tell you you're inadequate. He's going to tell you you're failing. He's going to tell you you're falling short. He's going to tell you you're not going to get there. Don't even try. And God replies with truth. He replies with, I've got you. I'm holding you in my right hand. I love you. I'm with you. Trust me. Believe in me. Have faith in me. The struggle is real, young adults. But listen, the only product that comes from struggle when you walk with the Lord is strength. That's the only product. And the promise, although sometimes seems so distant, is every single bit as real as the struggle. The promise is just as real as the struggle. David saw his waiting through. He held it down. See it through, young adults, I'm telling you, because you have no idea what God's going to do in your life. God trained and empowered David to be a king because David embraced his waiting as training. David waited on the Lord. He kept his heart right. He did not harden his heart to, the, to God's will. And I'll tell you right now, young adults, that if you want to get what you want, you'll get what you want when your will lines up with God's will. You're not going to get what you want until your will lines up with God's will because it's his will over our will. And I wouldn't have it any other way because I trust him because he knows. So stop contemplating what God's doing in your life. Accept that he's working and embrace your waiting. Wait on the Lord. People get this confused. Waiting on the Lord is a lot different than waiting for the Lord. Waiting for the Lord requires no faith at all. Waiting for the Lord is not chasing after God's heart like David did. Waiting for the Lord is waiting for God to change your situation. Now, waiting on the Lord, that's a righteous thing. It says, I'm, it's saying, God, I trust you. I give you everything. I believe that everything I have was given to me from you, God, so it's on the altar. I trust you. I love you. I know that because I have you, I have everything. I will put my hand to the plow and I will trust you, God. Our God is faithful. He's faithful always, and our God is good always. He keeps his promises. He told us many times that he was going to send a Savior to the world for those who would believe in him. Those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He said he was going to do it before he did it. He said, I'm going to send my servant. He's going to take a lashing for your sins. He's going to be beaten, and he's going to be marred. And you're not even going to recognize him. Like, you won't even recognize my son Jesus after they're done with him. That's how much I love you. He's going to be pierced for your transgressions. He will be buried among the wicked. He will conquer death once and for all so that you may have life. He did it, and he proved faithful. He hugged a cross because he loves us. He paid it all so that we may have freedom. All we need to do is believe and have faith, young adults. It's the same with the promises he makes us today. He will be faithful. We just need to believe. We just need to believe. That's what David did. David had faith and ran to God. David had faith. Hebrews 11 says this. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, people of old, David, received their promises. David, Samuel, And the prophets, through faith, conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, and put enemies to flight. Do you believe you have access to that power and that power is living inside of you? Do you believe that? Because it's true. If you chose to have faith, God will take care of you and God will promote you. And what's the last thing after laying his life down that Jesus said to his disciples? The last thing before ascending into heaven, he said, I am with you always. Until the end of the age, I'm with you. The Spirit of God is in this place. And Ben, you can come on up. The Bible says, Where there's where the Spirit is, there is freedom, there is power, and there is victory. I believe tonight that God wants to heal you. He wants to heal your mind. He wants to heal your heart. He wants to heal your body. I believe that. And I've been praying for it. I believe tonight that He wants to empower you. I believe tonight that God wants to reveal Himself to you. He wants to empower you. I believe tonight that God wants to reveal Himself to you, to us, and that He is inside of you and that He is powerful. He is with you. I believe that tonight we will walk out of those doors, changed forever. He is faithful and he is worthy. You just need to have faith. So we get an opportunity right now. We get an opportunity to praise him. We get an opportunity to control what we can control. Praise. So will you praise him? Will you dare to go close to him? Will you dare to explore his love? Because I'm telling you, when you go close to him, there's something that happens. We saw it with the woman with the bleeding problem. She dared to go and touch his robe. She dared to. I'm telling you, there's healing there. Will you guys pray with me? Lord, thank you for tonight. Thank you for who you are, God. I thank you for what you're doing in this place, God, that your presence is here. With every head bowed and eye closed, I want to ask two questions. The first question is this. I've been talking about Jesus up here. I've been talking about what he did on the cross. I've been talking about the power that he wants to invest in you. He wants to save you. He has plans to prosper you. All you have to do is accept his love, is to accept his grace, and it's given freely. And so here's an invitation. If you want to accept that grace, if you want to be saved, will you just raise your hand right now? Will you lift your hand? Amen. Amen. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. The second question is this, if you feel like you've been wandering or you feel like you're in a terrible situation and you feel like you haven't been given God the credit he deserves, he wants to carry you through that situation. He does. If you want to have more faith and if you want to ask him for more faith because he is the author and perfecter of your faith, will you just raise your hand right now? Amen. That's all of us in here. That's all of us. God, thank you so much for what you just did. Heaven got a little bit more crowded. Heaven got a little bit more crowded, God. And it says that angels are praising you, God, and now there's a little bit more praise coming to you, God, because of them. God, I thank you for using me tonight. Lord, thank you for what you're doing in this place, God. Thank you for what you're doing in our lives, God. I thank you that you're faithful. And everybody said, amen. I'll leave you with one more thing. I've been talking about waiting on the Lord. And the Bible says this, Isaiah 40, 31. They who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not go weary. They will walk and walk and not be faint. Young adults, let's let's control what we can control tonight. Let's praise him, let's praise him.